I grew up in a pastor's home. From the time I was born until I left to go to college, my mother and father were local church pastors. And many of the congregations they served grew dramatically during their time as pastors. And, and they would grow with people who, who didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and sometimes didn't have much of a, of a background in church. And so over the years, my experiences in church became very central to my own faith development. But also along the way, I, I picked up a few church stories. And since we're into several weeks of the shelter-in-place phenomenon going on in response to COVID-19, I, I know that we're all worshiping in different ways and, and in different places. And, and so I thought maybe, maybe it might be fun to remember what it was like when we could all get together in one place. And as I was preparing for this message in our conversation series, I, I remembered a story that happened when I was a teenager in a church in Jackson, Mississippi, where my father was pastoring. We had a guest speaker in, and he was launching a revival series. And my father had worked very hard to get people to come and hear his friend, the evangelist, who was going to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and that night, a, a large crowd had gathered, in fact, quite larger than he had expected, and, and a group of us as teenagers were sitting together, and, and there was a new family, a, a family that had come a time or two in the church, but they, they weren't really known by a lot of the people, but they were finding their way into the fellowship of that congregation there in Jackson. And in the midst of the service, it became obvious that, that this family's children were, were not as, shall we say, schooled in etiquette for church services, as some other children might be. They were constantly moving and squirming and talking out loud. And, and one in particular, the little boy, was uh, about three years old. And throughout the service, his poor parents were trying to keep him contained. He was moving perpetually in, in the pew where he was sitting. And, and he was just, just in the sight line of several of my friends and I as we sat together in that church service. And you could just see the, the tension rising in his mother and father. There was that, that shush moment where mom said, you be quiet. And then, then there was that sit still moment where dad picked him up and sat him still on the pew. And, and then finally there was that, that ultimate moment where, where it became obvious that mom and dad had had enough. And this little fellow was in deep trouble. And so his dad picked him up and put him over his shoulder and started to walk out the middle aisle of that congregation headed toward the back door to discipline this little fellow and teach him the proper etiquette for church as the little fella was being carried out, he suddenly realized that he had the attention of the entire room because no one could listen to the preacher while this disturbance was happening. And so, so as he's going out, the little three-year-old looked around at everybody and in a very sincere voice cried out, pray, people, pray. The place erupted in laughter. The speaker had to, had to kind of change his momentum. But, but I've never forgotten that appeal from a three-year-old. Pray, people, pray. You know, over the last uh, few weeks, as COVID-19 has taken hold around the world, I've heard lots of similar cries, uh, not from three-year-olds, but from people of 
all ethnicities and races and languages. People who two, three, four months ago didn't think much about prayer. But I've heard them saying, pray, people, pray. And as a culture, there's, there's been that, that need for us all to pray because we're in the middle of something we've never, ever experienced before. On the night before he was crucified for us, as Jesus was having that, that conversation with his disciples that we've been exploring through the Lenten season and now the Eastertide season, there was a moment when the, when the conversation ended and, and Jesus Jesus, well, let me read it for you. When Jesus had spoken these words, the conversation that he had been having, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world even existed. In the midst of this moment, preparing the disciples for his departure, after all the questions and all the answers and, and all the explanations, this, this night of conversation ends with Jesus, Jesus praying. John recorded the words I just read for you in the 17th chapter of his gospel. And they are the beginning of what is the, the longest recorded prayer of Jesus anywhere in the world. And today and these next few Sundays, we're, we're, going, to, we're going to continue the conversation by, by listening to what Jesus said in this prayer and understanding that the prayer he prayed, he prayed for all of us. I find it quite interesting that of all of the all of the things that the disciples could have asked Jesus to do in his ministry. They could have asked him to show them how to do miracles. They, they could have asked him to, to explain the scriptures more clearly. And sometimes they, they needed more explanation. They could have asked him for any number of places. But the one thing, the one thing they asked him most of all to do was to teach them to pray. That's why we have the Lord's Prayer that I hope many of you have been joining our team here and praying at 11.02 on each day of the week because it's in Luke's gospel, the 11th chapter and the second verse that, that we see that prayer recorded for us. But, but in this passage, this prayer, this prayer grows out of out of the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. Did you catch it as I read it? Jesus is in the middle of the conversation. He's talking to the disciples. And, and then just in the midst of it, when he'd spoken the words 
instead he said to them about who he was and where he was going and, and how he was going to suffer and die for them. In, in the midst of the conversation, in the midst of the questions, it just simply says, and Jesus lifted up his eyes. Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven and began to pray. I, I love the fact that for our Lord and Savior, prayer was so much a part of his being that the relationship he had with his heavenly father was, was so intimate and so connected that, that in the midst of conversation, he would just simply lift up his eyes and begin to pray. It was, it was a personal prayer. Jesus' prayers are always personal. Jesus' prayers model for us this personal communication with God so that it's not a ritual or a form that we go through. It's not a requirement that we have to say the prayer in this position, in this posture, in this place in order, to, in order for it to be effective. No, no what Jesus modeled for us is that, that prayer is, prayer is a, a personal communication so that in the midst of a conversation, we can just simply lift up our eyes and say, Abba, Papa, Father, God. There's more to this, to this personal relationship than, than, just, than just what we receive. There's this, there's this opportunity to have a relationship that is a dialogue, a conversation, a, a way to talk back and forth. And if we look at the way Jesus prayed, if we follow the model that he lays out for us, we discover that that, that model of prayer, that, that way of praying is so powerful that it, that it changes us. It was a little over 20 years ago that I sat on the campus at Anderson University with a group of students a spiritual emphasis week was taking place, and the guest speaker was a, a, an author and a former Catholic priest and recovering alcoholic named Brennan Manning. And it was there in a group of several hundred college students that I, I sat in the back and, and watched as Brennan talked about prayer and the way he had learned to pray out of his own brokenness out of his own relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And he did something that I had never seen done before. What, what Brennan did was he brought a, a chair up onto the platform in the room where we were. And, and there he began to say to the students, prayer is so personal. Prayer is, is so intimate. Prayer is like talking to your best friend who's sitting right next to you. So this morning, I, I brought an extra chair. Because I, I, I begin to think that, that maybe there are some of us in the midst of our shelter-in-place initiatives, in the midst of all the changes that have gone on in our society, that maybe we just needed to understand what Brennan taught us all that night, what Jesus taught the disciples in that upper room. That in the middle of your life, it's okay to talk to God 
as if he's sitting in a chair. For you see what looks to the world like an empty chair? It isn't really empty. God is with us. He's promised to never leave us, never forsake us. And, and he's invited us to, to lift up our eyes, to, to reach out and, and say to him, hey, can I talk to you about this? I don't know how crazy it is at your house right now. I know that for some of you who have children at home, you are, you are multitasking to the nth degree. <laughs> You're trying to be teacher and was employee or employer and mom or dad and husband or wife, parent, child. You're, you're trying to do it all. And I know that there are some rich and beautiful moments that you're enjoying. But I also know you may be like uh, John and Charles Wesley, two great preachers from a bygone era who were raised as brothers who said that their mother's favorite place to pray and favorite way to pray was to stand in her kitchen and put her apron over her head when the boys were running through the room because it was the only place she could find that was quiet. So this morning, I thought maybe in light of our world situation, we, we could all talk to the empty chair. We could all, we could all take a moment and and see what Jesus taught us about prayer. Listen to the way he prayed after he lifted up his eyes to heaven. He said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given to him. You see, this, this personal relationship, this personal communication it lets us know something. It lets us know what God's purpose is for our life. Praying with Jesus introduces us to, to God's purpose in our life. Jesus is praying in front of the disciples to whom he has just laid out the plan for what he's going to do, to whom he has just affirmed that, yes, he is the Messiah, and, yes, he has come for them. And now as he prays, he, he says to his heavenly Father, look, you gave me authority over all the world so that, so that I could give eternal life to everyone who believes. See, prayer, prayer isn't just that place where we cry out to God for what we want. No, no, prayer, prayer is that place where, where we discover who God really wants us to be. Not so much what we want him to do but who he wants us to be. He has a purpose for your life. He has, a, he has a meaning for your life. He has a substance in the midst of a world that is transitory. He, he has meaning for you. Jesus knew what his purpose was. And now as he's preparing to leave this earth and leave us and go be with the Father, as he's preparing to suffer and die and be resurrected, he says to God in front of his disciples, God, look, I, I know what my purpose was and I came here for it and you sent me here to accomplish it. And now I want you to know, I want, I want to glorify you. In this in this. COVID-19 
worldwide pandemic. God still has a purpose for you. He has something he wants to accomplish in your life. And prayer is that place. Prayer is that communication. Prayer is that relationship where you get an opportunity to listen, to talk, to understand how much you mean to Jesus and how much you mean to God. See, when we understand that God has a purpose for our life, then we get an opportunity to connect with God's passion for our life. Praying with Jesus, it connects us, not just to our purpose, but, but, but to the passion God has for our life. Listen to the way that, that Jesus said it. And, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. There is a passion that, that, that Jesus wants you to be a part of. He, he wants you to understand that everything else in the world will ultimately fade away except this one thing, your relationship with him and your relationship with your family, with your friends, with everyone you meet. For you see, the things we have, the systems we create, the buildings we build, they all pass away. But, but the relationship with the one who created us, as we talked last week, not the God we create, but the one who created us, that relationship is not just for today or tomorrow or the next year. It's forever. Forever. That's what eternal life means. And God's purpose for your life is wrapped up in his passion for all of life, that we would have a relationship with him, that, that we would know what it means to be able to talk to him as calmly as if we're sitting talking to our best friend drinking a cup of coffee, enjoying the time, sharing our hearts. Prayer, prayer is that place where we connect with the passion of God. And when we do, when we pray the way Jesus prayed in front of the disciples, the way Jesus prayed as a part of the ebb and flow of his life, when we pray and discover his purpose, and when we pray in a connection to his passion that we, we would know him, then, then he leads us to a discovery. He leads us to discover that, that he is a God who is active, and he is a God who is powerful, and there is a power involved in, in our lives, not because of our activity, but because of who Jesus is. And how much God loves us. That's why Jesus prayed that he would be glorified in the way that he had glorified God on earth. He had accomplished the work he was sent here to do. Before the existence of the world, Jesus, as a part of the Godhead, spoke the world into being. And now as he's getting ready to finish the work, 
to offer us eternal life. He says to his heavenly father, I've done what you sent me to do. Now it's time. It's time for my power to be at work in the lives of those around me. This morning, what he's really asking you and me to be about is he's asking us to pray with a purpose, to pray with a passion, and to understand that when we do that, in this personal communication with an eternal God, not only do we get eternal life, but, but we, actually, we actually get to see the power of God at work in our world right now. I know there are lots and lots of people who are crying out around the world, pray, pray, people, pray. And I would hope that for those of us who know Jesus Christ, for those of us who have, who have had the beautiful experience in our life of being able to sit and talk to the one who created us with authenticity and integrity and honesty, that we would indeed pray. Because I believe that the words Jesus taught the disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, really do come true. I believe that right now around the world there are people who are in desperate need of us to pray for them. And as an example of that today, I'd like for us to close our time together praying together. I'd like, I'd like to invite you, wherever you are and whatever your setting is, whenever you're watching us, to take these next few moments and join me in praying specifically for, for two groups of people. To, to pray for, for those who are in the medical community on the front lines putting themselves in harm's way in order to offer love and care and peace to those who are fighting the coronavirus and any other ailments that they have. And then I'd like you to join me in praying for those who are in places of decision-making, whether it's government or hospital administrations or the Center for Disease Control or wherever it might be, that that they would have wisdom that doesn't come from them. Would you join me in discovering the purpose and the passion and the power of prayer? Let's pray together. Abba, Papa, Jesus told us that we could have such an intimate relationship with you that we could call you by that, that kind of term, to call you our Papa, he also modeled for us that in the midst of even a conversation about his destiny, he could merely lift up his eyes and look to you and begin to pray. And so today, we, we follow that model. We, we walk in his footsteps and we, and we lift up our eyes to you. And we lift up our voices to you. 
And we ask you to show us our purpose. And we ask you to, to connect us with your passion for our life and the lives of those around us. And, and right now, specifically, we're, we're asking that your power would be demonstrated in the equipping and the empowering of the people who are on the front lines, who are putting themselves at risk to protect people around the world. Whether those people are in Africa or Asia or the United States or a Caribbean island or South America, wherever they might be in the world, we ask you right now, we ask you to protect them, to equip them, to empower them, to speak into their lives. Let their skill sets function in ways they've, that are better than they've ever functioned before. Help them to remember things they've long since forgotten that can help someone get well. And Lord, we, we ask you for those who are making tough, tough decisions. Government officials, hospital administrators, people who are, who are in research, people who are trying to find a vaccine. Lord, wherever they are involved in decisions that that affect all of us globally, we pray for them as well. That they too would, would know that your purpose in their life is being fulfilled by the use of their gifts and their talents and the opportunities and that they too would be connected to you in such a way that their, that their life would be marked by your passion for love and grace and mercy and wisdom beyond themselves. So that Father, we can we can, as your people, witness your power at work, bringing healing to our world, bringing peace to our turmoil, bringing strength to those who are weary from the battle, bringing faith in the face of fear. For you are the one to whom we turn. You are the one who loves us knows us and who will never ever abandon us so thank you for being the God we love because you loved us first for it's in the strong name of Jesus Christ your son our savior that we pray